0: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Under the Skin Podcast. I'm Madison Schill, the founder of Sula po. Today we will be interviewing senior media planner Angela Lee, who is a great friend of mine, but also a former colleague when I worked at a large beauty company as well. What I've found recently is that a lot of people love talking about the production, being on set, working as a model, working as an actress, you know, developing the product itself in the beauty industry. But Once that product hits stores, what happens next? Angela is someone that is responsible for strategizing all of those big things. The commercials that you see on television, the subway ads that you see when commuting to work every morning, um, the billboards that you see when driving to see your best friend. Not anymore, though, because we're all in quarantine. But this is such an important part of the industry, and I find that no one really talks about it or shares a little bit of under the seams of what's going on. So again, please enjoy this episode. If you have any questions, please let us know on Instagram at Sula Poe. And again... Welcome. I'll see you on the other side. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the La Poe Podcast. After a couple of months of a breaker, we're back online and we're back ready to chat and share with you guys. But what we're really about and what we're looking to do this 2020 is to get under the skin on beauty from all different facets and all different walks of life. So as one of our first guests of this year, I wanted to bring to the microphone Angela Lee, who is a media um, manager and planner. Uh, What are you? What do you do? Honestly, I think with anything in media... It doesn't matter what level you end up at. You're always a planner of some kind. Do you, you are a medium planning manager. Correct. specifically, Specifically. And um, you work at a very, very big agency. Uh, you focus primarily on beauty. Your clients are... Mm-hmm. You have one client that's... Really, I, I do. <laughs> Just one, which is good. Which is how we I met. Love them. Yeah. yeah. Is how, it is how we met. I briefly worked... For your client, and that's actually how we met. Correct. Correct. Do you, do you want to walk through that story? Or yeah. Miku? We met. I, I like to think it is Miku. They should. They should have um, a Netflix series on a black. Our friendship, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a plaque at <laughs> the beginning. Um, I think it was sometime last summer. Yeah. I 2018. think so. Twenty eighteen. Yeah and i saw this girl walk in and she was like very tall and beautiful okay <laughs> let's not let's not do this there was a fan just blowing <laughs> there was a very tall girl that walked in and i and i am if most people won't know me but i'm also very tall so whenever i see someone's tallest me i'm like oh Another Light. another creature of my kind. Yeah. Um but yeah, so she sat next to me at reception and I just started talking to her and we started talking about Glossier, obviously. Um, and she told me she had a blog or, like, some Ugh. kind of a website. Yeah, this would be this. She thinks, Madison thinks that that didn't happen, but it did. Yeah, I don't think, I don't it, remember It speaking. did. You told me you had, like, a blog, and then I looked it up later. And then, no, I followed you. Yeah, you did the next day. I followed you, and then you were testing um, the new glossy mascara. Yep. And I proceeded to message you because I was like, I think we should be friends. Yeah. <laughs> and after much coercing... <laughs> We became friends. We did. I yeah. Uh, I actually don't remember what happened much after. I think we just, just No no what ended up happening was we had a client meeting. Oh. We had yes. a meeting. and uh, you and, you and VP. your V P were there and I hugged you. Yes. This was the second time I'd ever seen you. I was you. accepting of it. <laughs> And then I hugged your VP because I didn't want her to feel left out. But I realized that I really probably didn't have need to her. do that. But again, in a corporate structure, you've got to shake things up. And that is probably also why I am not in a corporate setting at the moment. And why I'll probably never be again. She still remembers you as the girl who hugged her. Wow. And I still tell her, I'm like, I'm very close with her now. She's like, okay, cool. I'm like, I will never be. She was like, oh, the girl that hugged me? I'm like, yes. I'm like, she doesn't work there anymore, but we're friends. Okay, great. So, (laughs) So moving forward. That's how we met. Keeping things brisk, Angela, so really what I want to have you on and talk to mm-hmm. you about is everyone talks to beauty editors, beauty directors, mm-hmm. you know, skincare founders, but when it comes to all of the different facets that are required to have a thriving beauty brand or beauty empire, there are a lot more facets than just, you mm-hmm. know, I make the product or I sell it online or I see, you see me wearing it on Instagram. And something that you do is you really you really execute all of the key elements that contribute to us seeing it, you know, on the subways or in the mm-hmm. billboards or in the magazines and that sort of thing. And so from a media planning manager's perspective, that's a really big mouthful for me to yeah. you know. <laughs> um, what does your day-to-day look like and what mm-hmm. do you kind of think, you know, what What are you responsible for Yeah, I think the interesting thing about media <clears throat> is that it's structured in two different ways. You usually have strategy teams and you have execution teams. Um, so I've done both. Usually when you start off, you're more executional. So you kind of learn it from the grounds up. How I like to explain it to my parents is if you see an ad, I just make sure you see the ad. Oh, that's cool. um, But I wouldn't do anything related to the content, which would be a creative agency or, you know, the clients, depending on how it's structured. Yeah. Um, but when you first start off, you're more executional. So you kind of work with digital teams to figure out how everything goes live, trying not to have things not go live. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a fear of every media planner. Yeah. And then you work your way up and at one point you start managing more assistants and planners. And then um, when I guess when you're more of a manager, you do deal with both people reporting into you and figuring out their workload and also like making sure that you have your timelines and I think that's why I'm so obsessed with time. Like yeah. I just want to make sure that all the timelines are correct so that people don't overwork themselves yeah. to hit those. So it's yeah. a lot of coordinating. Um, but my day-to-day is, I like to think I have a pretty fun job. But my day-to-day, I think, a lot of it is timelines. Like I look at my calendar for the week. Um, I pre prioritize things. I make sure that... Um, what we do need to get done for the week will be done within that time Um, what the clients are expecting from that week anything that we have like right now we're really busy Mm -hmm. because we're in strategy season so, it's, so what does that mean, generally? It, it just means that we're, like, it just means that we make sure that we know what approach is for next year. Yeah, because so, I guess what, like, the client will come to you and say, look, we've got these things mm-hmm. happening, this is the innovation. Yes. And then you say, great, this is what we think you should do with it. Yeah. Okay, So cool. it's, um So that would be the same across all media agencies and every client. They'll come to you and tell you, these are our goals for the year, and this is what we want to prioritize. Um, but again, you're kind of, you're there for an opinion, Um, I like to think I've always been taught that if you're not offering an opinion then you shouldn't be there yeah um so a lot of it is going okay cool like this is what you want to do with your brand but from our point of view like maybe we should look at structuring it this way. Sometimes though I would say that a lot of clients when I can usually tell when they know their products really well because yeah. I will look at it and be like oh you know what that's actually how I would plan your media too. Yeah. Whereas there has there have been previous clients where they'll be like this is this is the layout and we'll be like this is not the layout. <laughs> um but for the most part, I think the clients I currently have are good with knowing exactly what they want to do. And, and it's probably yeah. a mixture as well of knowing the product and then knowing the demographic yeah. or, like, the consumer, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And, like, you can you can always tell. Um, but for us, I think it's really fun because... Um, What media planning is and how I put a more relatable spin on it is it's like personal shopping. Yeah. Um, It's understanding what your trends are, um, telling your customers, well, you know, like this is up and coming. Like, do you want to look into it before everyone else is on board? But a lot of times I think the good thing when you can really relate to your clients is that both of you are pretty much on the same page with what you know is up and coming. And where you should be before everyone else is. So it's like, it's a bit of like a yeah. personal shopping experience. No, totally. Yeah. And I mean, also when P- when you say media planning, it's not the traditional unpaid media where like, it's like, you should post this on Instagram now. No, it's, yeah. it's, can it's you speak paid. to like the the pillars that you kind of own within the different kinds of media? Yeah. So right now we do 360 planning, meaning that when a client briefs us, we kind of just recommend how much you would put towards traditional versus... Digital media. So when it comes to more digital planning, uh, we haven't really... I used to execute a lot of it, but not at the moment. So a lot of what we do is strategy. So how much you're putting towards, you know, video versus display. Yeah. And then there's a separate team that executes it. Um f- generally speaking i think it's better for learning if you see things full funnel yeah and you have more exposure to you know what your targets are than like what i i am one of those nerds that if i have access to an account like i'll look at it every day and be like oh we're performing really well here we're not here because i think i don't want to waffle too much even though i am but i think what's really interesting about media is that it really correlates to consumer behavior um, and as someone who used to people watch as a kid, used to, still I still people watch, yeah. but I think as someone whose hobby is people watching, and analyzing things, like all of these things make sense to me because you, you can look at your dashboard and be like, oh yeah, that makes sense why someone wouldn't click on this one and why yeah. someone would like this ad more. Because if you look at it, like the product might be bigger here or like this might be clearer. And I think it's just fascinating because it's almost like it is consumer research but you're putting your money behind it so do you technically i want to get really clear in terms of what you own and touch and and what you know isn't through doesn't come through you so Mm -hmm. Like websites, when people go online and they see Google ads, mm-hmm. are those something that you guys are doing? Or do those come where did they, where do they just <laughs> where, descend from? Where where are these magical ads? Because coming I know from? I know talking to you and being your friend and knowing about your workday, you do the billboards, you do the subway ads, you do mm-hmm. the bus shelters. If we you do have the budget. If you have the because yes. that's that's like almost like a cherry on top of yeah, the end of It's the, above and beyond. Yeah. And know, then for you, most advertisers. And you do print as well. Yes. Sometimes Now it's getting smaller, but I remember, I think, yeah, print's getting a lot smaller now, but it used to be quite big. Yeah, I mean, but also I think it might be different in other markets, but in the Canadian landscape, there are like three publications, really. There are some new ones, but... I mean, beauty, there's only a few core publications. I think if you go into auto, there's still a few, which I think you know a bit about too. But if you look at auto, there's still quite... There's still a few magazines that people read. Yeah, because your pre so your previous experience was on automotive. Yes, right? correct. Yeah. Which is GM. GM, <laughs> which yeah, makes me feel good. So my whole fa- my whole family has a General Motors background. For context, everyone, so, <laughs> but that makes me feel like we were meant to be. <laughs> we were meant Even to though I'll never own a car, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> they were but like, I can barely drive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still love the truly. Clients. They were great people. I don't know. Um, but I'm also curious to know what you think about TV because I find that about five years ago I was pretty convinced that television. And- Mm-hmm. and beauty, like you know you'd see the shampoo commercials you'd see all of those kinds mm-hmm. of cover girl ads with ellen on them and you know beauty and tv seem to me to kind of be dwindling mm-hmm. but now what we're streaming that we have all of these new you know ways to consume television do you find people are all- allotting more budget to it or like i think tv is it really depends on your clients i i know i I think that's a theme you'll hear from me (laughs) throughout, but it really is your clients and their budgets. And I also think a part of it is the age of their current consumers, because you'll see I'm going to take auto as an example, too, Um, if their consumers are a little bit older you still want to make sure that those consumers are seeing your ads. Yeah, like Lincoln. Exactly. Yes, yeah. M- Matthew McConaughey. Exactly. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that he was hired for that reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you want to make sure that you get your mass reach there. So the older audiences that you still have within your, I guess, pool of prospective buyers are yeah. still there. Yeah. And then you're trying to build your brand image through digital because you're trying to acquire Newer, right, newer so people. you look at TV as more like kind of mm-hmm. keeping that demographic happy and yeah. top of mind within well, that. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I feel like there, when I first started off, there were clients with much less money. Yeah. Um, but their demo was young to begin with. Yeah. <clears throat> at that point, there's no point. First of all, you don't have money to do TV. Yeah. Um, but at that point there is there's is really no point to go on tv because your consumer is already on digital yeah totally. so there's no need for you to split your channels that much but what i find because i worked on clients with really big budgets and medium-sized budgets and small budgets but i think the trend we all see is how to be more efficient yeah. like i think that even like for example an auto would have so much money yeah but at the same time they still expect you to use it in the right way so the report i think with any clients really comes down to reporting and metrics and insights and i think you know with beauty too um it's about telling them something that's interesting from a consumer basis that they don't see from their own research yeah because most clients will know the products really well yeah so it's really important for you to come in as a media agency to tell them something that they haven't noticed on their side and they're like oh that makes sense because we see this on this side so this all connects together yeah it's so yeah. cool to see some, like the dots be connected mm-hmm. for you i find that to be so interesting and even in the few meetings that we would have together back when we were our three same, meetings yeah <laughs> we're also for reference i would send angela skype messages <coughs> And um, and make you just try to make you laugh while you had to be very senior and fancy. And I just sit in the corner and troll you. I was just trying not to be... I I think... I will tell Maddie this, but I I think it doesn't matter what level I'll be at... I think I'm always, like, God, Like, you kind of... You have you feel like you have imposter syndrome. Yeah. But at the same time, you know what you're talking about. So it's that blend of, like, trying not to be, like, a complete idiot. But knowing that you kind of do know what you're talking you about. You totally do. Yeah. You feel like you still get that sometimes? It's less now. But when I first got this... I would say up until I got, like, the senior planner title. Like, mm-hmm. when I first got senior planner, that was... I I still felt like I impostor syndrome because yeah. there were still things I didn't know, but I did know. But what the channels I was familiar with, I I knew it very well. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of it is sometimes understanding challenges. Because people shoot questions at you like from all angles, like creative agencies, like clients, all of that. So I think it's understanding what they're intending with their questions and challenging them in a good way. Totally. Um but yeah sometimes I still do. Sometimes I'm like, I know what I'm talking about but I'm still nervous. No, no truly. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that everyone can relate to and also I think also at the same time, we feel this urge to advocate for ourselves and for yeah. our growth, but also like there's a tiny voice being like, maybe you should just not. Maybe you should just chill. Yeah. But Stop talking. I, but I think one thing that Instagram and, and having a network mm-hmm. of people that are friends in our life that are very, they've challenged us deeply and yeah. you really challenge me. Oh, thanks. I mean, no, I'm just you're like You're like, not in good way. Personally, you <laughs> really challenge me. But you do, all my friends oh, do, and I noticed that that's thing. something that yeah. I am super proud of i think that my vp puts in a really good way yeah because a lot of times we think of getting senior as like being the loudest person in the room right that you're the ones talking the most but yeah. really like what she tells me is that you don't need to be the one to talk the most or be the loudest yeah but what you say should have some significance or point to it yeah otherwise like i, I think that we share that in common like i don't like to talk for the sake of talking i mean i talk a lot <laughs> but i i would prefer to be the person that says less yeah but has a point to everything i say because i feel like that makes your quote-unquote content totally. more more relevant to absolutely because when you talk people listen yeah exactly and then i've in previous experience that i have been in rooms with very senior people where it's just a waffling. Yeah. And then at the end, you're kind of like, okay, that was lovely, but there wasn't really a point. Yeah, what's the to crux? It? Yeah, totally. so sometimes I'm like, I, if I don't have a point, then I'm not going to contribute anything because there's, yeah. no, there's no need. It's almost like thinking of your... Input as like the go- like gold coins you can spend, and you have a certain amount of them. And so, mm-hmm. how can you really spend the it the wisely? Yes. The the, <laughs> the, the, the wisely the wisely. It's wise. it's just how how do you maximize maximize your dollars? <laughs> I tell my parents it's like investing. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah if you're investing X amount you expect you know over 100% of return or something yeah, you're trying over 100 to over 100% you are trying not to lose people money yeah totally even though sometimes time is money time or is, or time, is time time thought but I mean Everything also money. because you do work in beauty but in a very unconventional way was that ever your goal or like yeah. have you been interested in beauty how did you did you want to have this kind of be something that you would be yeah. in I've always been into beauty and I think most people can tell like I, I don't think I'm into beauty in a way that I know like every single ingredient, but I think I'm into beauty in a way that like I read a lot of reviews about products. I think for me it kind of stemmed from, I think when I was younger I had, I I, I still have sensitive skin, but I had way more sensitive skin, so I couldn't use a lot of the things that like my friends with less sensitive skin could. Yeah. So I was always kind of looking up, like, why does this break me out, but doesn't break other people out? So I think that kind of started, my, like, my love of beauty, I think, started truly with skincare um, from a very young age. Um, and honestly, it's always been something that I've liked, and I've always had friends of like, oh, what do you like? Like, um, I'm using this. What are your thoughts? So I find that having some sort of sensitivity or some sort mm-hmm. of reason to pay yeah, attention makes a consumer so much more informed too Mm -hmm. because you don't have a choice like you have to know what you're putting on your skin because it's the only way you're going to find a solution like for me like my mom my parents both have what i call like crocodile slash titanium skin like they could use anything yeah and like it all works the same doesn't matter if it's 200 dollars. doesn't matter ten dollars it's just the same wow but for me it's just it's a clear difference yeah um so my interest in beauty really started there yeah um, and I actually did want to get into beauty at one point, but it's, I want to work more in beauty on the advertising side, but I've never, I've always gotten a little bit quote unquote lucky with the agencies because sometimes they wouldn't have beauty accounts or they would have a beauty account and lose it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it just never really panned out. So I like got my current role just, it was a happy coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um, someone reached out to me. I said I wasn't interested because I was um, on auto at the time and very close with people there both internally and with the clients and i wasn't really looking for a move mm-hmm. um and the recruiter came back to me and was like are you sure because it's actually like a beauty category is that something you're interested in and i think if it wasn't for that i yeah. wouldn't even have taken the interview because i truly wasn't looking yeah um i know everyone says that but i wasn't um no it's when you're when yeah. you feel good and when you feel it's like a relationship no <laughs> yep it's true no it's true and i'm I were like yeah bullshit i'm never gonna not be looking like i'm always gonna be yeah. probing my head around this proverbial corner but mm-hmm. truly when you least expect it and when you think that you're totally yeah. solid and everything's good something it really was plop yeah. in your face yeah it, it kind of it, it's very close to what you were saying because i think uh, this generation, we're always prospecting. Yeah. But I was I was actually quite happy there. So I took the interview and I um, met my current VP and and I really liked her. I mean, she's those of you who know her, she's smart and slightly terrifying. But so are you, you though. To be honest, <laughs> I think I am. To be real, I think I'm friendly like a golden retriever. But that's just you're me. like. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of loyal, like a golden... <laughs> well, that's true. Unless I'm late, and then in that case, and, and that all case, bets are off, and um, I have to scrap gloves, my way from the bottom. Gloves are <laughs> yeah. off if Maddie's late. I was late today, though. I do apologize. Yeah, but I was later, so here we out. That's are. true. I got a table before you. Yeah, but yeah. I thought you'd be five minutes late, so I that's banked fine. on that. It's okay. But it's fine. Um, but anyway, so I met my current VP, um, who is truly, like, a very good leader, um. But when, so when you started and Mm -hmm. to now, I'm also curious to know what are your thoughts on how the beauty industry has progressed, especially in Canada, like what are your general thoughts on where it's headed, what you've seen shift, that sort of thing. Because also, and we can speak to this later, but makeup versus skincare, I'm Mm -hmm. sure in those past couple of years has really been a shift, I'm sure in priority for a lot of brands. Um, I would say the biggest shift I've seen is probably print, Um, because I think At one point, it was utilized a lot more. Just because if you're... And everyone knows this. Like, if you're on the luxury side of things, like, yeah. it's one of the few ways to get your scent or your product out there. Totally. Um, but Especially perfume. Yeah. That's so true. But a lot of that is obviously... And, like, you'll see it with, like, the other brands. Like, the like even... I mean, I still see Chanel quite a bit in print, but you'll also see that their digital investment has gone up. But, mean, like, like yeah, Chanel's always the back of the book, yeah, right? Yeah. In the premium positions. Yeah. But even with, like... I would say our competitors, I've seen them way more on digital, social, obviously. I know I'm stating a lot of the obvious things, but I think at one point, I, I think with all luxe brands, there's a idea of having premium positioning, all of that, which comes through in print at one point. Yeah. Um, but I think you'll see that every time there's a key holidays, you'll see a lot of like the Chanel's. Yeah. Um, and any kind of like the L'Oreal brands.
1: I mean, do advertise you also, a lot
0: more. Do you also? Social. I'm curious to know if you even have visibility. But what I notice, um, because I work quite a bit on the PR side, mm-hmm. um, which rounds out you know whatever strategy you guys are trying to accomplish. Yeah. But. It's a good way find, of putting it. Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever you're doing, we're like, okay, let's amplify. Yes. It. And. <laughs> and. We're partners, really. Yeah. Yes. Forever. Yes, forever. Um, <laughs> competitor. I'm competitive <laughs> brands, <laughs> but um. Do you find that people are shifting budgets more so to experiential at all? Because yeah. especially on the luck side, or do you have that I would say so experiential is usually a part of a creative agency. Right. So I'd have less visibility on that. Yeah. Of but I will say that uh in pre- not directly to beauty, but in previous like clients, I have seen more money towards experiential because I think you know, I know it's not beauty related, but if you look at Cadillac, for yeah. example, like yeah. they, there's more experience-based stores, totally. especially in malls and even like Genesis. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that a lot of times when... I think with any product that you have to invest more money in, you try to develop experiences for the consumer because then they can feel mm. like, okay, like this is worth spending money on. No, it's so And like true. same thing with beauty. I mean, that's why, you know, if... Fragrances, fragrances, expensive. So you try to get different. You you try to find different ways to get the consumer to try your product. Like you had an ex- example mm-hmm. last year where you did you filled the entire streetcar on King Street with mm-hmm. the product, right? And that was a fragrance. Well, brand. no, I would say with that one we wrapped a streetcar. Yeah. Um. I mean, you could technically do the interior, but yeah. it yeah, someone did that, right? It will cost you a lot. Yeah. I feel like. I feel like the idea is that if you could wrap a streetcar yeah. and have an experiential agency build something around that streetcar, yeah. like that's a full three hundred and sixty yeah. budget pending. Yeah, but how, how much do you think something like that would could cost? Well, because I know we see like big budgets, but like actually though, well, I would, would that say be? that if you didn't negotiate a streetcar, it'd be like one hundred and twenty. Okay, for a month for one streetcar for one streetcar for just the outside for just the outside okay but and that's canadian dollars that basically. is canadian dollars we're in canada yes that's correct yes um but if you were to like do the insides it probably cost you a bit more yeah um but i think when the parts media is the fun part is negotiating that's when as you said my slightly steely exterior yeah. comes that's in when intimidating angela comes <laughs> that's in. when oh, i well, would love to just listen to you be <laughs> like negotiate absolutely things. not you know what? Never mind. And they call back. They're like, please. Take I feel like it. I feel like I negotiate in like a golden retriever way, which is like oh. nice, but oh, yeah. but a little bit like just friendly, but yeah. But like if I yeah, I really yeah. really really want to know. But I know you do it well. I know you. do like negotiating. Yeah, it's a hobby. <laughs> That's so fun. Okay, good. To but know. but yes, that that is how much something like that would cost. Um, but I think mm-hmm. earlier we were talking about shifts in beauty trends yeah. and and the way media budgets have shifted around that. I would say print is the biggest one I've seen. Yeah. Um, like dwindle. Well, I would say that, let's not use the word dwindle. <laughs> She's laughing. I mean, I will say that print is shifting to a different type of partnership. Right. Because instead of doing a lot of what you'll see with like, the OBCs or the inside front covers, OBC, like please outside prayer. back cover. Yeah. Okay. Outside back. Outside also, like a... back of book, but outside back of, back of book, like the Jeez. premium position. Well, I only know what a DPS is because I I'm used to be in. I'm impressed. You know I used DPS. to be in double page spread, oh like on the in editorials. She's kindly reminding me. Kindly reminding you of my of lineage. Ex- she's, she's reminding me of her excellence. Like former excellent. <laughs> I still think you're excellent. We wouldn't be friends. Yeah. But for different reasons. But which was, I'm proud of. Yeah. But I'll say that print partnerships, um, it is more of a partnership now. I think a That's lot of really times cool. yeah. when you see print executions with beauty brands. I think um Lise Watier did one with them pretty recently with fashion. Um, are more like custom content built around their brand. So like the client exactly. will meet with the editorial team and be like okay, yeah. great. It's a fully fleshed out plan. Those yeah. are usually pricier, but if you can swing it, I think it's a good way to use because if you think about it, there is I will say there is a certain there's a certain prestige to print. I mean, totally. we can all say that it's. It is. No, it's true. It is kind of a dwindling medium at times. You look at how much digital has grown. There, would you it, call them an adver- advertorial sort of thing, like the custom uh, yeah, content? Yeah, it would be, but an a bit more subtle, or um, yeah, you know. That's probably brought in all the. The things. idea is to just not make a consumer look at it and be like, oh, that's an that's an advertiser. I can't look at this. Yeah, it's just like, oh, cool. Like this is a cool editorial. Oh, I see it's sponsored by. Okay, I get it. Yeah, I think that's the kind of track you want someone to think. Cool. Um, I always say this, but out-of-home is also something that I really enjoy. But even across a lot of clients I've worked on, it's, it's, it is it's a cherry on top. Out-of-home specifically. As in anything. like billboards or like bus shelter ads or like transit ads. Yeah. Um, so anything that it actually literally is like out-of-home. Yeah, no, I love. <laughs> anything that you see that's out-of-home yeah. um, is also a cherry on top. But I, I still feel like it's very impactful totally. in its own way. I, I say this too, is that because we did at one point we did have out of home and there was a time where people would be like oh like a model would be like oh this is so cool like yeah. i'm on a tv yeah or like i'm on like i'm on a billboard yeah that's and like, like the benchmark. exactly yeah. like if you think about it, it's so traditional but even like i feel like that almost solidifies your experience as a model where you can be it's like because you know there's investment behind it totally so like when you're in like a giant billboard you're like wow like i assume you would feel like cindy crawford yeah or like someone really big whereas like i feel like digital ads because there's so many influencers yeah like not to i mean it's a great way of tracking things um obviously but i feel like because there's so much clutter in digital too yeah um that if you are modeling and you're in like like, I mean, also, if you're a yeah, product, exactly. which models, you know, you can argue mm-hmm. that as well. But even for like a moisturizer that's launched, you know, if you if you post on Instagram and mm-hmm. leverage that and leverage, you know, digital, that's great. But you're still going to be mm-hmm. in the Wild West of like yes. thousands of other products that are also launching that are also mm-hmm. investing in digital. So it's yeah. very true. So I would say that if you look at media planning, yeah. you look at TV and out of home as reach vehicles um but what i will say is that if you want true consumer insights and obviously you go digital yeah um hopefully your reporting is substantial enough that it gives you the right information i think it's not about the volume of information i think it's the right information for your business yeah because then it informs what's next yeah which is like why you should spend on digital and why you should report correctly because it gives you insights. But obviously TV and... A lot of times, like, even TV is a cherry on top. Um, For some brands, at home is a cherry on top. But all of it technically the right launch should have all the elements so that a consumer can make that connection quicker big like, oh i saw this there oh now now i'm like doing my grocery shopping and then oh i get it like this is a new product totally yeah I, this any, is this is what, how i think but do you things. have any insight on the fact that like i can be talking about um a lip gloss to you and then look at my phone in five minutes and there's the same lip gloss on instagram do you know what that is? <laughs> I think that's uh, Google spying on you okay, or good. Instagram. I just wanted clarification that no, it's in no, fact no. I espionage. Think I think... <laughs> okay, so... Yep, she's blushing everybody. Unofficially, I will know. Unofficially, I will say that every major company will tell you that your, your voice is not being tracked. But I am paranoid. Like, I try to turn my microphone off. I don't even know how. For most of my things. Like, you can technically, like, just go into, like, Instagram and just turn your mic off. Oh. But, like, when you post something, it'll remind you to turn it back on, which is the annoying part. Yeah, because they want to hear what you're thinking. Yeah, so yeah. I am paranoid. That's why I don't have a Google Home or, like, an Amazon Echo. Yeah, well. Because I am convinced they just, like, take your data. I want to wrap this up with a really just general kind of mm-hmm. bit of advice. <clears throat> From you and that is you know as a successful be- as there are so many startup beauty brands that are mm-hmm. launching literally 20 a day it's true i would you get the number from my <laughs> like internal you know skincare <laughs> response system that's like <laughs> she just shot it out 20 brands a day i'm gonna google it after but i don't think that I'm people even you. know but it's probably accurate yeah 20 ish yeah. brands a day um mm-hmm. uh, i just want to know from your point of view what does a successful beauty brand need from mm-hmm. you know from its inception to really kind of get to where it needs to get to and to, to the best of your you know mm-hmm. assumption like guarantee longevity? Oh, I feel like that's a that's a big question you threw at me. I like yeah, of course it is. <laughs> I'll 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 think on it for approximately ten seconds. That's great. I will say that. Because the client I'm on is already pretty established, yeah, it's a little trickier for me to assess it. But as a consumer, right, I think a true like a beauty brand that's done really well, and everyone knows this. Is no, oh. no. <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna cut this you know what forget it i'm not gonna be- beep it out of i'm it. not no. i'm not gonna mention we it. so we did bond. so we did bond over glossier Master. we did that was how we met because um, you didn't think it would be good and then and it was good but that's also good. me at every glossier launch at the mm-hmm. moment is me going Ugh, and then being i love it and damn. then you go and your face is glowing and i'm like it's future due and you're like oh. i'm still not sold on she's future not sold, due. but i i'm, I'm it just it's sloppy. it's really tacky and there's a canadian <laughs> no not like tacky Like cheap like the texture is tacky. Yes, I've heard that. From and you. there's the Canadian, um, you know, indie artisan beauty brand mm-hmm. that does it uh, better. Yes, yes. Uh, and that's Flora's Boticario. I and just saw it on your yeah. mantle. <laughs> yeah, the price point is slightly higher, but it's worth it. And I, I deep mm-hmm. that that the, the 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 fragrance is more mm-hmm. sensorial. It does feel a bit more soothing, mm-hmm. um, but. But what I will say that's take let's take off the bleep. <laughs> yeah no I will is that I that. think I feel like if you want to launch a beauty brand these days, you would really have to know who your consumer is. Yeah. I know it's very obvious, but I think a lot of it is knowing how to structure your website that you're getting the right data. Totally. So I'll use my, actually, I'll use my best friend's example. She co-owns a beauty brand called Dome. I'm going to give her (laughs) some free love. Give her a plug. Give her a plug called Dome. And I always- The D-O-M-E. D-O-M-E. But I always remind her to make sure that she has ownership over her own data. Right. Like, for example, like, what do you see on your website? Like, when you're doing promoted posts, are you getting the raw... Like... Well but a lot of times like you, you give things to agencies but you can also look at like raw data by yourself. Yeah, um, yeah. I know no one likes to look at Excel documents, but it's the truest way to look at how you're doing. Yeah. If people don't like it. I personally really enjoy raw data. And what data. are the key points of, of data that you feel like are okay, these are like these are what you should be paying attention to? I think for example, I think if you're doing, let's say, a display campaign, yeah, and you're A/B testing creative, yeah, make sure you're tracking your creative properly, right? Because a lot of times I feel like, and I think a lot of it is human error sometimes. Yeah, is that you send all these creative out there? Things need to be pixeled and tagged and all that. It's, yeah, and if you have a lot, it's really hard to make sure that everything's a hundred percent clear. But I feel like when you're starting off, you would be doing everything yourself. Totally. So making sure that this gets kind of nerdy sounding. But when you're trafficking ads, your naming conventions needs to be accurate. Because really, when you're getting your data back, you're not seeing... Like, you're really not seeing, like, a visual of it. You're seeing your naming conventions. Just make sure that you remember exactly what it was that you trafficked. Yeah. Because that also helps you in the sense that you're like, oh, well, if this creative got... That many clicks. Then our future creative should looks more like this. Yeah. Because that is something that my consumers reacting to. Totally. And also, I would say that if you're doing e commerce. I know a lot of times you would put it on Amazon. Yeah. And I think Amazon also gives you certain insights, but I also think that. It's better to have more of your own data than, like, let's say you outsource it to, like, a Rexall. Yeah. And they'll sell it online, even though they don't have the greatest e-commerce experience. But if you give it to any kind of e-retailer, like, I don't think you'll ever get that visibility. Will they give In, you some data? I know. Well, that part can you wouldn't ask not know more about, but from what I've heard from her, too, is that, like... When she works with some re- retailers, like it's a little bit trickier, yeah, to get some information back. So just making sure that you know your own consumer, yeah, and that when you're at the beginning stages, yeah, that of you building really... your brand, yeah, that you're kind of already honing in on like who you know appeals to your brand. But I also say that another part of it is messaging, right? Um, yeah, I um, which is, to, yes, I listened to a really good um, a a really really smart brand founder. Um, yeah, last week I think and one thing that she said and she, it's, it's a running brand out of mm-hmm. Paris and one thing that she said um, which I will never ever get it out of my head now and I find to be so helpful is mm-hmm. we might be tired of it but there are people out there that are hearing it for the first time and you have to remember that mm-hmm. so when you're messaging and you're saying the yes. same thing over like get comfortable mm-hmm. with that and not feel insecure in that repetition yeah and I think, a, <clears throat> I think it's repetition I think it's also no I hate, I hate using this word but it really is like also knowing how to break through the clutter right because a lot of times like i think when new beauty brands are built they're all around like clean sustainable beauty which i think is very important yeah but i think that's becoming more of like the you norm like yeah. you have to because yeah. people are so much like i think compared to like two three years ago you're much more conscious yeah. about things you putting in your body i remember like when and we both love this brand, like, RMS. Yeah. Like, when I first started buying it, like, people didn't really know about it. Whereas, yeah. there's, like, a lot more recognition. Like, it's sold in some Sephoras.
1: The, um, the
0: highlighter quad. It's excellent. Oh. Yeah. It's... It's, Uh, like, $29. And, like, they're coming out with more minis now, which means that it's more, like, accessible to people from a price point. Yeah. Whereas, like, I'll still buy the uncover Concealer, and I'm, like, $55, but it's really worth it because, like... um, Well, you can get it also... um, i'm gonna plug another store (laughs) but 27 toronto (laughs) okay they she sells it for less than what the detox market sells for. okay i'm gonna look there next so everyone listening go to at 27 toronto (laughs) and go to their online store but you should be able to find it that's Mm -hmm. the best price point that i found it at yeah but i'll say that a few years ago um like sustainable or eco or clean beauty is seen as like a luxury Whereas now, it, it's still a luxury. I mean, it's. I'm guessing the price of... I mean, I wouldn't be as familiar with it, but the price point would always be higher. Yeah. But it is becoming more the standard and more of the norm. And I, I think everyone will see that at one point, the larger brands will make sure that their standards are fairly similar. But also, you know, the consumer is becoming so much more exactly. educated. So the brands have to respect mm-hmm. that need for more information. And, you know, say... These are our ingredients. This mm-hmm. is where we get the ingredients from. This is how those ingredients are tested. And that can also be part of a marketing yeah. campaign. And I think that, and, and yes, and that goes back to messaging. Like, it could be that your product is clean and sustainable. But it because it's becoming the norm, like, what is it that makes you yeah. a little bit different than totally. the other brands? Like, is it the way... You know your products are packaged sometimes because yeah. I, that is still a big selling point. Yeah, I mean there are a lot of times where I buy something I'm like I don't know why I bought it but the bottle was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so now it's just like it's it's just An lovely. Art piece it, it really truly is like <laughs> I would say like you know think about the way Chanel packages so oh. things too, like like their stunning. makeup products are so beautiful yeah. they're so satisfying. Like to it use. just like even their lipsticks like when you click it. Yeah, I remember they had this. I'm going off tangent. I'll bring it back soon. But they yeah. had this. Like lip gloss a while back. I think this discontinued now, but I bought it because of the click mechanism. Mm-hmm. You would no one can see me gesture, but you would click the top and it would just pop out. Yeah. And then like they have it would lipstick. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. it would just be so satisfying because you felt like a fancy executive. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I no. Yeah. It's yeah. the OG. OG beautiful packaging. Yeah. I'll say Tom Ford has good packaging. Well, actually, no, the Chanel hand cream was yes. developed in collaboration with NASA. Like the Chanel hand cream is a piece of art. It is so expensive it is so expensive i go to shoppers to like touch <laughs> it <laughs> touch yeah touch it I'm like and i'll sneak up in and i'm like oh i'm good, I'm and good. No, it's it's <laughs> stunning it's, I, it's so stunning it smells beautiful they have um they have a new eye kind of liquid mm-hmm. that's like the and, Ooh. and it is it just looks like someone took like a piece of like copper and melted it down and put it into a tube and that's it just beautiful. looks like you're made like just put yeah it's yeah. stunning i that's the one thing that i'm thinking yeah. about for but i would say that you know like yeah batch of content creative yeah like, it could be part of your packaging one brand I've started seeing more of is Tower Twenty Nine. Yes, yes. Like over the past three months, Basically, I've seen a ton of it. They suddenly like so don't know where they come from though. I don't either. Is. I haven't, so I'm looking more into it because yeah. I've just because they're carrying Sephora now. They remind me a lot of like um, they like seem like a very playful mm-hmm. brand, and I think that the sustainability side of things was a secondary. Yes. So and that and that's a good point because yeah. that's why I brought them up because yeah. they're they are also clean sustainable time like I noticed them more because they had this feature into gloss with their SOS spray yeah which I was reading the comments and someone was like is that the Lysol version of that spray from Um, my big fat Greek wedding (laughs) 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 you just spray on everything and it goes away Um, but no like I think they are a good example even though I don't know much about them yet of a brand that is sustainable and clean but at the same time it's like oh it's like fresh and fun they have bright colors and they have that skin right. a lot of times I think that we all I'm guessing like everyone sells very similar things it's just the way you spin it and it's just I think a successful brand knows their consumer knows how to talk to them in a way that you know doesn't feel that feels fresh yeah that doesn't feel like they're being talked down to totally that feels like you know you're part of that quote- unquote community right uh, which the other brand that we've, we've already mentioned too much yeah is really good at totally um so I think those are all important things to keep in mind although but, I do feel like glossier can get a little bit behind the times well on sustainability we are pretty mm. clear that they don't that's not a that's not a pillar of their no like they don't care. Um, mm-hmm. to a point where they'll change packaging mm-hmm. and their user experience to also accommodate for that, I yeah. find. I mean, like, the Payettes and their Glossier Play are still... Yeah, I think the Play was I feel like when Play came out, people were... In the box is your bubble wrap pink pouch mm-hmm. that we're comes just still with use. stickers. Those yeah, of course, good. of yeah. course. But after a while, you have 40 of them, and it's like, okay. you know what I, I do mean? have a Y collection. And... In the pink pouch is the Glossier Play, which is in a box, which is wrapped in mm-hmm. a wrapper, a candy wrapper, um, and you get stickers to go with it. So, I mean, that's like a six-layer, you know, plastic Experience tissue. level. Totally, yeah. which, you know, can be really beautiful, but when you think about priorities to the same consumer base, it's a little off the mark. Mm-hmm. But... Um, they do really listen to consumers, and they do yeah. create products based on what consumers are asking for, which I think is a really, really amazing thing. And they've, they've truly, you know, disrupted the industry in a way that, I don't think we'll ever be able to quantify. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. Um, and Chanel too, I find that even though their products are so luxe, they've done a really great way on social to make them feel yeah. like playful objects. I feel like ever since they started the we love. Coco yeah yeah I think that one's been really good for them because they're able to feature like makeup artists yeah. but also younger stars yeah. who are using their products on red carpets totally so I, I almost feel like it's a very flexible way for a brand that's traditionally known as very like bougie and high-end totally. to talk to a more accessible consumer and i think that also brings back to the point where we're talking really how you use digital to acquire new users yeah and i think that a lot of times if you're speaking to a 16 year old they may not have the budget for a chanel product but their, their parents do. Yeah. Or you can save up for that yeah. one little nail polish. Exactly. And like you know, like I've done that and it's so and it feels Satisfying. so special. Yeah. yeah. It's so lovely. I still um I still remember my first. everyone remembers your first like true luxury product. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is like you're never gonna have full loyalty when it comes to a brand, but I think especially in beauty. Yes, but I think it's really important for them to get for like a brand to get into someone's makeup bag at a young age. Yeah. So that when that person like grows up and starts making income and actually having disposable income yeah. that you still, you know, stay somewhat top of mind for them. Totally. I mean, you hear a lot of times when people are like, you know, there's a lot of brands out there, but I'm like, I'm a Chanel girl. Or like, yeah. or, or someone won't buy anything or they'll be like, once a year I'll just splurge on like a Tom Ford lipstick. Totally. So you, you like, I think it's still a good way to make sure that your brand is accessible and that's why you'll see, like, the very high-end lux brands still run sponsored ads. Mm-hmm. Like, even though what they're promoting could be, like, a bad as thousands of dollars, I think the idea is that you're still trying to retain top of mind. Like, even if someone can't buy a bag, they'll still remember your brand. Yeah, they'll still want exactly. to buy your bag. And I think that's and that's just, just as yeah. powerful. And I think almost, like, sometimes the idea of being unattainable is a good thing in a strange way. Because if you have like a cheaper segment of your product mm-hmm. that will play to your advantage yeah yeah you know, so it's kind of like you're speaking to the high and the low totally it's that's definitely it's interesting yeah yeah that's amazing well mm-hmm. i ju- i want to thank you so much Angela, for taking yes. the time to join yes we're recording this she, on a sunday evening she I, ripped me off my emails yeah i believe the super bowl is happening right now but i honestly couldn't tell you this is our super bowl <laughs> It's not, guys. Let me tell you, if it was the Oscars, we wouldn't be on the (laughs) microphone. I think we would just be sending text messages of people's outfits. Yeah, Yeah. like Zendaya looks amazing. She always does. She always kills it. But anyway, thank you so much, Angela. I so appreciate it. Of course. You can hear more coming soon. (laughs) Can, where, can, where can people find you, Angela? Do you want people to find you? No, I don't want people to find me. Great. Either. This is the beauty of my friends. I don't, you'll never know who she is. <laughs> very low key. But anyway, I, I really appreciate it. And I hope that you have a really amazing rest oh, of your thank week. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thank you.